the field, people will come. And it doesn't happen. You have to look at how you're doing business. Well, 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 look who's come crawling back. Hi, welcome to another episode of White Sox Business. We're glad you're here, but please try not to get too close to us. I'm your host, Tom Fernelli. Joining me for this episode, his 51st consecutive is the Athletics White Sox reporter, James Vegan. James, where, you, where would you set the over-under on number of fans you see at the park this season wearing personalized COVID-19 jerseys? You know, assuming fans attend games this season or that were even all alive before opening day. Uh, probably 12 and a half obnoxious assholes that I hope get ejected. Yeah, so, I mean, this is a baseball podcast, and it's supposed to be about the White Sox, but it's kind of hard to ignore what's going on in sports right now. Just, who hell, who knows what's going to have changed by the time... Uh, sports. This, yeah, by the time this podcast is even released, because if we go back to Wednesday, you know, Wednesday started with college basketball games everywhere, NBA games being played. And then some teams were like, eh, we're not going to bring in fans. But then there were events with fans. And then within like the span of eight hours, we went from, no, we're going to proceed as usual to, okay, no fans. Okay, Rudy Gobert's tested positive. Okay, the NBA suspending its season. Okay, well, now we're going to suspend. I mean, like we were supposed to start recording this at 11 a.m. James, you had a radio hit with uh, the score in Chicago. So we were delayed 15 minutes. And in that 15 minutes... The Big Ten canceled its conference tournament. The ACC canceled its conference tournament. The Pac-12, the Big E, everybody can't. So MLS has suspended its season. And the question is, uh, Josh Chalatino, our Rays writer, um, is like at a game right now where it's like 45 minutes from first pitch and there are no players on the field. So I feel like something is um, something's probably going to pop off while we're recording. Yeah, because I, I feel that's that's what I wanted to get to, because I feel like it's only a matter of time until major league baseball has to, I mean, they have to do something clearly. And it's not, not in a reactionary sense where everybody else is doing it. So we have to, but it's just at some point seeing everything that is going on and how everybody else is responding to this. And I don't think it's just chicken little. I think it's just, you know, smart, safe, precautionary reasons. If you could slow this thing down, why the hell wouldn't you do everything you can to slow it down? But on the other side, I understand why a sports league would be hesitant to do it because, you know, there's a lot of money involved. But for the love of God, man, <laughs> like at some point, they're at the very minimum have to not no longer have fans attending games. And they're probably going to postpone the season, aren't, aren't they? Don't you think? I mean, neither of us are experts here. But don't you have to think that based on what's happening, the start of the 2020 Major League Baseball season is going to be postponed at a minimum? Yeah, I would think so. Um, it's a unprecedented global pandemic, so um, I, I would think all kind of normal examples of what they've done, <laughs> uh, short short of uh, talking about what they did for the 1918 influenza crisis, uh, aren't really relevant. And it, it seems like they have they've been following suit with other leagues. Um, you know, you, you said it's not you know, reactive, but I think at this point it is reactive because I think history is probably going to indicate that they should have acted sooner and that, you know, the South Korea model was probably what should have been followed. And at this point, we're just hoping to not be Italy and have the entire country shut down for weeks. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'm just some 
jerk who talks to Lucas Giolito for a living, but it's certainly if you just watch what's been happening across the globe, that's where it seems like it's trending. For the first time in history, we don't want to be Italy. These are truly <laughs> dark days. Truly for the first. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's <clears throat> it is just it is a crazy situation, and it's hard to wrap your head around just because I mean. Like, honestly, it hasn't been canceled yet, but the NCAA tournament is going to be canceled. Yeah, I mean, it you know seems what? like that. Yeah, it's and it's just, it's, I don't know, the, the reaction, hell, we're going to have people mad at us for talking about this because they're going to think that we're just blowing it out of proportion. But it's like, dude, look around. At some point, it's no longer blowing it out of proportion. At some point, this is just what the reality of the situation is. But... Yeah, you know, so, good point, Tom. Carson Fulmer has been sitting 92-93 all spring, but he's been commanding it and getting outs in Cactus League. And I think that takes precedent over anything that's really happening right now. I mean, finally, true. The, the eighth overall pick is a little showing a little capability to be a middle relief arm. That's, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's Society 1, Pandemic 0. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I guess... For the time being, we will proceed as if there will be a baseball season, fingers crossed. So let's move to something far more important than the coronavirus. Uh, there was an article on CBSSports.com, which is a which is a sports site that, it, that trust me, it'll 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 pay anybody to write there. Like, honestly, I, I know. But, it's also written by RJ Anderson, who's a yeah, some guy. Who never heard some some idiot that James knows that I work with <laughs> who wrote an article on the man the four MLB managers that are on the hottest seats entering the 2020 season and at number one he had the Chicago White Sox very own Rick Renteria here's what RJ wrote quote Renteria who is entering his fifth season as a big league manager has never won more than 73 games in a year. It's not his fault as he's only ever been in charge of rebuilding teams. This season will be the exception after the White Sox overhauled their roster during the winter, adding Ismani Grandal, Edwin Encarnacion, Dallas Keuchel, and others in pursuit of their first postseason burst since 2008. An increased talent level means heightened expectations, and Renteria is likely to face more scrutiny this season than he has in the past. The White Sox believed in him enough to give him a multi-year extension in 2018, but a disappointing season could cause them a crisis of faith. Now... I agree that there are heightened expectations, but do you agree with the idea that Renteria is on the hottest seat in baseball entering the year? Um, I asked about this extensively uh, during my first stint uh, in spring training, and you know it's been the same thing that's been the last couple of years of just unabashed support of, of Renteria and the fact that they feel like he. They don't judge like his last three seasons of, oh, he's been losing or anything like that. They have all these positive uh, endorsements of his ability to convert the clubhouse culture. And they don't, they disagree with him, obviously, tactically. And they don't agree with every bunt, but they feel like he's not an idiot or not listening to them or not open to feedback or what they do. So there's not, the, the hot seat would be based on the idea of like, well, he's been given a soft grade because he's, uh, a rebuilding manager, and now he actually has to win. And he has to immediately prove it, or um, you know that, that shows he's not a good manager. Rick, Rick Hahn responded directly to that notion and said, "That's not fair. That's not a fair mm-hmm. standard to hold him to." So I don't think this. I, I understand how outside writers come to this 
conclusion or can be worried about or the fact that like Rick Renneria basically has never been trusted to run a, a contending team before and that becomes evidence that maybe no team really wants him to do it but the White Sox have very adamantly pushed back against the idea that that's the case here so I think that's just kind of the the token inaccuracy you get when people kind of just write about the team from afar is that you know things that might seem logical from the outside you know, dissipate a little bit when you get more context to it. I don't think he's on the hot seat. I don't like, obviously trick got fired this past season, Todd Searson, and that kind of showed some dissatisfaction with where their offense was trending in general. And, you know, it, it seems like that was more than just a one-off uh, move. It seems like something they put more of thought into, but I, I don't see that as some example of like, well, Renneri is next and they're going to start now that they've asked some assistance. And now it's just a kind of a warning shot. And the next one will be him if he doesn't do anything. Obviously, that changes if they lose like 100 games and it's a complete disaster in every every way that really changes the way you think about him. But if it's like a mild disappointment, I don't think all of a sudden like the ship is sinking. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think that when they comes to evaluating Renteria, they are going to use the last three seasons as a basis for anything because they weren't really trying to win the last three seasons. So to hold that against him would be unfair. I do wonder, though, like, you know, what if Joe Madden becomes available again? But no, in, in all seriousness, like, if you just look at the way this team, these, this franchise, and the Chicago Bulls, the other franchise owned by Jerry Reinsdorf, has handled its managers and coaches, hot seats don't really seem to be something that exists. I mean, Robin Ventura got five seasons when there, was, there were clear signs in season one that, uh-oh, we might have some trouble here going forward. And Ozzie Gied basically had, you know, a lifetime deal if he wanted it until, you know, the way after winning the World Series. Jerry Manuel got six seasons. And you look at the Bulls going from, you know, like from Fred Hoiberg and now Jim Boylan. Like they have to be they, – they gave Jim Boylan a contract extension for no reason. It's it They don't really like changing coaches or managers unless they absolutely have to. So – I, I Rakan also specifically pushed back against this notion too, for what it's worth. What did he say? He said the idea that there's some scholarship program or that jobs are guaranteed is, uh, I don't know. The sentiment was bullshit. I don't I think he was probably too com- like careful to actually say that word. But um, yeah, he, he very much, you know, put the idea of, put the example of firing both the hitting coaches as showing an example that they were not going to just like, perpetuate um poor performance uh from the group that they were in charge of forever and but i i don't think they view renneria as really the i don't don't see they i don't think they really hold them responsible for that i think the things they hold them responsible for as far as like um team culture and you know bullpen management and whatnot i feel like they're fairly satisfied with um I i don't get the idea of a huge rift on them other than some tactical stuff that they seem to have thought like, well, you know, we're not going to, he's not going to be the super sabermetrically optimized guy at all times, but you know, we hired him because we think he has some baseball feel. So we can't just like distrust it and second guess everything he does. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't disagree with what he's saying as a concept, but I would argue that there's evidence that does not support the theory considering how Robin Ventura's last four and a half seasons went in a time when they weren't looking to rebuild and they had some very good young talent under control. Of course, then again, you can't put everything that went wrong in that era on Robin Ventura either. 
and <clears throat> some people are still in charge <laughs> that maybe played a role in those failures as well. So again, I get what he's saying, but I also feel like I see plenty of evidence to suggest otherwise. And again, this has nothing to do with Renteria because I don't think Renteria should be on the hot seat. I think that it's it'd be completely unfair because I feel like the expectations for this team are probably a little too high anyway going into 2020 because of the moves they made this winter, because of the fact that they were able to lock guys up. I think that as that stuff tends to do, it kind of gets people more excited just as in general spring gets people more excited about a new season where if you look at like, you know, Vegas odds and win totals, this is still a team that by most measures is projected to be a third place team, a third place team with a winning record, but a third place team nonetheless. So I feel like if the White Sox finish around 500 and they don't make the playoffs, there's no reason Ricky Renteria should be on the hot seat for managing a team to expectations. But like you said, if if this team somehow goes like 60 and 102, then yeah, I, I think it could be happening. But I think that's an extreme example of a possibility. Uh, speaking of extremes, we talked. Yeah, in the, last the, the real reason you have uh, you think people's expectations are too high is because you're panicking. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that going on around right now, James. Uh, we talked about in the last episode, Edwin Encarnacion really struggling this spring. And, uh, well, now there's been new developments, James. Edwin has a sore right hip that has kept him out of the lineup. This shortly after he missed time with back tightness. And last season, I mean, he missed a lot of time after you know, being hit by a pitch and getting a fractured wrist, which you can't really put on a player no matter how old they are. But then he came back from that. And he had an oblique injury. And again, this is a guy who is 37. I think he it rolled is, an ankle running the bases, too. I don't think he went on the IL for it, but I think he missed a couple days. Yeah. So if we look at the last 12 months of Edwin, oh, the last eight months of Edwin Encarnacion, there has been a lot of. You know, injury, some lot of soft tissue stuff, the 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 wrist fracture that can't really control. But it's, I'm telling you, man, there there are not a lot of signs surrounding Edwin Encarnacion that are like making me optimistic at the moment. I think he's going to deal with like these aches and pains over the course of the season. I think you know, I think it's going to be not a regular occurrence, but I think it's not going to be like surprising to be like, oh, Edwin scratched today because he's got a bad back, or. Edwin is, uh, you know, going to miss this series because he's got hip soreness again. I mean, he's a 37-year-old guy. He's played, like, 15 years in the game. And he, he's not, like, I don't know, Ken Griffey Jr. level, like, super athlete or anything like that either. So I I think this is going to be a real thing. And that's why I think uh, probably they're not so keen on uh, trading James McCann or anything like that because they could see them needing him for, you know, 80, 90 games or whatever much he needs to both back up Grandal and however much Grandal will be shifting over to DH or first base to kind of because uh, Edwin's on the shelf. So, yeah, I, I think it's I don't uh, the, at some point you start to wonder if that affects his rhythm. If he's not producing, obviously, that becomes the largest thing. But I, I don't expect this guy to like log like more than 120 games. I think that would probably be the goal uh, at this point. He's going to be a guy you have to mate, uh, you know, maintain uh, very carefully. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I, I think this is all good news, not for Edwin, but for guys like, you know, your mean Mercedes, for Nick Delmonico, you know, guys who are looking to get a roster spot or, you know, to get playing time and to be valuable. I think that for them, the less Encarnacion plays this spring, the better, because it's going to give them more of a chance to showcase their, you know, 
try to try to make the roster themselves. Hell, you can even argue the same for Zach Collins, although I do think that no matter what happens, I mean Zach Zach's playing great so far this spring. He's hitting three thirty three. He's got an OBP of five thirty eight. He's slugging seven twenty two. And it's like that's great. I'm so happy to see that. I just kind of feel bad because he seems to be destined for Charlotte no matter what happens. So I, he I says think, as much. Yeah, <laughs> it's, which in a way, it, that, now let's play psychologist. I mean, we, we were talking medical stuff earlier. Now let's be brain people. Do you think in a way that like knowing he's destined for Charlotte has kind of taken some pressure off, which is just allowing him to play baseball and play well? It could be, but I don't think he's at a point where he's overwhelmed by the idea of having to play for a spot in the major leagues. Maybe at initially when he first got called up and things were going wrong, I think he pressed a lot and made it worse. But I feel like he was kind of over that by the end of last season. Uh, it certainly could be helping right now, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't see it as like some idea that he can only produce with uh, with the pressure off or anything like that. But Sure, I, like the the effect of like, well, the pressure's off. He can mash Cactus League's pitching as a very, um, you know, who cares? <laughs> studies studies show that dudes who aren't feeling pressure in the Cactus League rake. Yeah, like Carson so, I mean, Fulmer basically needs the pitch to not be out of the org by the end of the month, <laughs> and he's producing. So, wow, well, you know, there are always outliers to every study. <laughs> there's, there's exceptions to every rule. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I am worried about Edwin, but again, this is one of those things where I do feel like when they signed him, that it was somewhat of a luxury move in a way, in that I know that, that it was expressed... That was cool about it. Yeah, like, it expressed intent. It, was, it wasn't somebody that they're like, they made all these other moves, and Edwin was more of like a cherry on top of the Sunday, as opposed to maybe in recent years, he might have been the Sunday. So, in that sense... Even though I'm worried about him, it's not like a level where it's like, oh, my God, what is going to happen to this offense if Edwin Encarnacion is not in the middle of that lineup? I'm, I'm not at that stage. I'm just at the point where I'm starting to become more skeptical that Edwin is going to be a major factor on this offense. And I feel like as the season goes along, this could be a situation where even if he's healthy, I would not be surprised if by the end of the year he is losing at bats to somebody else, whether that's your mean Mercedes, Nick Delmonico, Zach Collins a trade acquisition, whoever. I just, I don't know. I, I if I'll, we were, I'll to... go the opposite way. I say aches and pains lead to a slow first half. The entire fan base turns on him and is done with them. And it's in the second half when they've all embraced the idea that it should be Vaughn, 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 or like give your mean Mercedes more playing time. Edwin is like slowly coming back into form and they're playing him more and everyone's getting pissed off. That's, that's what I see as the outcome. All right, well, let's do this then. In the last, let's see, since the here's 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 Edwin's home run total since 2012 when he kind of really fully burst onto the scene at 29 as like a major power hitter with the Blue Jays. He had 42, then 36, 34, 39, 42, 38, and then the last few years it's dipped, but that's also been due to a lack of playing time because of minor injuries to 32, and last year he had 34 and 109 games. So. Let's set the total. We'll have ourselves a little friendly wager. I'm going under 30 home runs for the White Sox this year. Are you going over, or would you like me to lower that total a little bit? Um, I'll go under. You're going under 30 as well? Yeah, I would say probably. I'll go over 25, though. About 27. I don't know why I'm, I don't know why I'm so confident about this five home run bucket. But I just what about think... 27 and a half? Let's meet halfway. Mm, 
I'll go over, baby. Some right, drunk so and ambition. You're on over 27 and a half home runs for Edwin. I'm on under. We'll figure out what's at stake at some point. I feel like they're slightly more important things for us to worry about than that right now. But yeah, so that that's our first bet for the 2020 season. James, the Edwin Homer versus me, the Edwin skeptic. Yeah, well, we're now both unethical now. <laughs> All right, uh, I think we should get to shout outs. I, my, my shout out for this episode is for Michael Kopech, who gave us all a reason to smile, at least, in his one inning of work earlier this week when he was just lighting up the radar guns. Now, I will also say, part of me wonders if maybe the radar guns aren't a little bit juiced in uh, No, I mean, the, the Trackman guy sits right in the press box as everybody, and the radar guns have been right online all uh, all spring to the point where I don't even like ask him like if something flashes on the board, is that legit? Because it's been very consistent. Well, that's even better then, because he was lighting up the triple digits with regularity in his one inning. And there, when he he only got the one strikeout, he got two ground outs. But he, he aced, I can't remember who it was, but he aced somebody on the Greg outside. Greg Bird. There we go. With a 101-mile-an-hour fastball, just sent my heart a-fluttering. I was super happy to see it. It's just, you know, we he's been gone for so long, and there had been so much hype around him that when he first originally came up, then to go down with the injury and with all the things that have happened since then. To see him back out on the mound throwing flames was really nice, really encouraging. And shout out to Michael Kopech for giving us all reason to be happy. James, who is your shout out for? Uh, my shout out is the White Sox VP of Communications, Scott Reifert, who's probably going to be the most quoted uh, member of the White Sox organization for the next month. <laughs> shout out to Scott, who once gave me free tickets to a game. I appreciate that. You know why he gave me free tickets? Because uh, we're unethical. No, because we were at – it was a Blogs with Balls event, which is a thing that used to happen. I've been blogs. to one. Yeah. It was the one in Chicago, the first one. In Wrigley Field? And Maybe I was there. Yeah, I was strangers, there. Strangers in the night. Wow. Two ships passing. It's too bad our hulls didn't meet. Um, no, he was <laughs> he was on a panel. and it, I can't remember. The question he asked was – it was about Malort. And he's like, whoever gets this right, you know, I'll give you know tickets. He was, he did something, and me being a Chicagoan, of course, I knew what Malort was, so I just yelled Malort, and I won. So he gave me free tickets to a White Sox game. <laughs> I was like, woo! I finally, oh, you know, so I, you won it very genuinely. It wasn't like a freebie no, at all. No, it was I won a contest that is ethical yeah, with your wit and grit. <laughs> All right, well, uh, that, that that should wrap up another exciting episode of White Sox Business. Hopefully, we'll be back next week. Who knows? I'm That's not making, a wrap. Yeah, I am not making any declarative statements about anything. If the last 36 hours have taught me one thing, that's what it has taught me. Uh if if you've enjoyed it, you know I haven't I haven't asked people to do this yet. But if if you do listen on Apple and you have enjoyed the show, you know give us give us a five star rating. I mean, even if you don't like us, give us a five star rating. What else are you gonna have to gonna do? I know. I mean, think about it. You're not gonna have sports to watch for a while. In all likelihood, James and I will be your sports. Maybe maybe we'll do episodes, James, where we simulate games. White Sox business will be a season-long simulation of a season that's not being played. <laughs> Everyone else rushing to stores and supplies. I'm rushing to go get a PS4 so I can play FIFA. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's very much in my plans for the immediate future as well. 
especially now that I'm betting. I have to. I, I was tasked with writing a uh, a gambling preview for the NCAA tournament. <laughs> my gambling right now, the wager I'm placing is that I'm not going to have to write it. So <laughs> it's time to fire up the old FIFA. Uh, we suggest you guys at home do the same or, you know, just read a book. And uh, hopefully we'll be back on Monday or Tuesday with a new episode of White Sox Business. Thanks for listening and wash your hands and stay safe. Even if you don't think this is real, just do it for other people. Thanks. Yes. Yes.